0: Hey there, this is Dr. Harlan Betts. It's a joy for me to welcome you to Wisdom from Above. This is podcast episode number 160. The goal of Wisdom from Above is to go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. We find this Wisdom from Above in the Bible. We're in the midst of season 10 with an emphasis on practical Christianity. A series of how-tos and practical truths. Today's podcast looks at passionate Christianity. The question is this, are you lukewarm or are you on fire? Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Are you ready for some football? Oh yeah, most guys are ready for some football and many ladies are too. Some people are very passionate about football. Some folks have season tickets. Some folks have their faces painted for the games. Some folks even have their team logo tattooed on their body. Some people are passionate about their music. They have surround sound at home and in their cars. They have their wireless headphones or earphones for when they are working out or traveling. They have their song list with every song recorded by their favorite artists. Some people are passionate about food. They watch cooking shows on TV as they bring their recipes up a notch. Pow! They have at least one bottle of every spice known to man, and they know which spices and which sauces have the very best flavor. They know every good restaurant in the city, and they have enough cookbooks to fill up a small library. Some people are passionate about baseball or basketball, and they know every player on their team, every player in opposing teams, They know their chances of making the playoffs, and they have the official clothing of their team. Some people are passionate about fishing. They're always thinking about the weather, the tide, which fish are spawning. They know which uh, fish are biting and what they're biting on. And, of course, they're always thinking about adding to their lures and fishing poles and upgrading their boats or motors. One fisherman put a personal ad in the paper that read as follows. I'm looking for a good fishing woman... With a good boat. Please send picture of the boat. (laughs) Some people are passionate about decorating. They watch every show they can watch about decorating and trading places and changing spaces and decorating homes. Some people are passionate about clothing. They know the latest styles, latest trends. They can tell you what kind of fabric or clothes are made of. They know what looks good and what does not look good. They faithfully watch uh, shows about clothing and faithfully shop whenever the opportunity arises. Some people are passionate about a person. They're always thinking about this person. They're constantly talking to them or writing to them or meeting with them. They love doing things with that person. They love going places with that person. They like to give gifts to that person. So uh, what are you passionate about? Our passions stir us. Our passions impact our priorities. Our passions affect our schedule. Our passions influence how we spend our time. Our passion also is revealed by how we spend our money. Do you realize that God is looking for men and women who will be passionate about Him? Do you realize that we should be characterized by passionate Christianity God isn't looking for men and women who will be lukewarm. Those who are lukewarm, it's nauseous to Him. He wants believers to be disciples who are on fire. He wants believers to be passionate. This passion should be reflected in three life-impacting commitments. And those commitments can be found in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Three commitments. The first commitment is a commitment to a person, God. Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God. That is a passion for God a passion to be pleasing to him to be diligent means to make every effort to expend every ounce of energy to give yourself wholeheartedly approved unto God means pleasing to God hebrews 11:6 says without faith it is impossible to please God In order to be pleasing to God, we must live a life of faith. We should have a passion for God. Do you realize that the greatest commandment in all the Bible deals with passion? The greatest commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. That, my friends, is passion. Loving God with all our heart is emotional passion. Loving God with all our soul is spiritual passion. Loving God with all our strength is physical passion. Loving God with all our mind is intellectual passion. The Apostle Paul said, I make it my aim to be pleasing to Christ. Paul is expressing a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealing his passion for God. And Paul was passionate about pleasing Christ. Do you have that kind of commitment? Do you have that kind of desire? Are you passionate about pleasing Christ? In reflecting on the amazing love of God and the divine sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the songwriter says, Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. That, my friends, is passion for God. Christ should have first place in our lives and first place in our love. We should be passionate about our relationship with Christ. John Wesley once said, Give me a hundred men who love God with all their hearts and fear nothing but sin, and I will move the world. That is passion. CT Studd wrote, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That is passion. Jesus said that John the Baptist was a burning and shining light. That is passion. Jim Elliot, missionary and martyr, had a passion for God. He prayed. God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life, and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is yours. Jim also prayed, God makes his ministers a flame of fire. Am I ignitable? God, deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the oil of the spirit, that I may be a flame. Make me thy fuel, flame of God. <laughs> that, my friends, is a passion for God. And that is the first commitment a commitment to a person, a passion for God. Do you have a passion for Him? Do you love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind? Number two, the second commitment is a commitment to a goal, excellence. As Paul writes, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. That is a passion for excellence. You see, a disciple is not likened to a person going down a slippery slide. A disciple is likened to a workman. Discipleship is hard work. Discipleship requires time and energy and effort. Do you find yourself giving God your spare time, your leftover energy, and your half-hearted effort? God deserves more than that. God deserves our best. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord. The challenge is for us to live wholeheartedly. Live with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Laugh with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Love with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Do whatever you do with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Do you have a passion to please Christ and to do what you do well? Do you have a passion to do whatever you do in a way that honors God? Do you have a passion to live life well? a passion for excellence, or are you slacking off and doing things half-heartedly? Are you more passionate about pleasing your boss or your company or your friend than you are about pleasing your God? Are you striving for excellence at work or at school or at play and settling for mediocrity at the church? And in your Christian life, I realize we are not saved by good works. It's by God's grace that we're saved through our faith. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved to do good works. And so as a believer, we have two options. We can do the work God has for us to do and honor him or not do it. And not honor him. And be ashamed. God has given each of us time, talents, and treasures. Are you investing some of your time for the Lord? Are you using some of your talents for the Lord? Are you giving some of your treasures to the Lord? The challenge that is given to us as believers is for us to live our lives in such a way that we can hear our Lord say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you stand before Christ and give an account of your life as a believer and you reveal or God reveals how you've used your time and talents and treasures, will you be ashamed? I don't want well done on my tombstone to simply mean I was cremated. <laughs> I want it to mean I lived my life well. I I lived in a way that glorified God and magnified Christ and edified others. That's the second commitment, a commitment to a goal, a passion for excellence. Number three, the third commitment is a commitment to a book, the Bible, as he says, rightly handling the word of truth. That is a passion for the Bible. This is a clear reference to the Bible. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, he was talking to God, the father. Thy word is truth. Paul challenges Timothy and all pastors and all Bible teachers preach the word. The challenge of this passage is for us to honor God by handling the word of God accurately. To honor God by studying The Bible carefully. The Greek word for handling accurately means to cut a straight path. It's like a soldier marching straight forward, allowing no competing interests. It's like an athlete running in a straight line, following no other distractions. It's like a road worker making a straight path, taking no easy routes. It's like a farmer plowing a straight furrow with absolutely no looking back so we're to handle the word of god accurately we're to cut a straight path through the word of god think with me for a moment about 2 timothy 3:16 and 17 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We see there the authority of the Bible. It's inspired by God, supernaturally guided. All the human authors are supernaturally guided. We see that it is God's revelation without addition without omission, and without error. And it is true and accurate in every area, whether spiritual, historical, scientific. That's the authority of the Bible. And then there's the ability of the Bible. Well, it's able to teach us the truth and show us the right path. Able to reprove us, pointing out where we've gotten off the right path. Able to correct us, telling us how to get back on the right path. And able to instruct us and train us to stay on the right path. That's the ability of the Bible. And then there's the adequacy of Bible. It's adequate to equip us for every good work. We need no other revelation. We need no other prophecy. We need no other word from God. The Bible is our final authority for everything we believe and everything we do. It's our final authority for belief and for behavior. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Belief in the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible has been eroded by theological skepticism and human reasoning. Seminary after seminary and church after church has slowly given up its belief in the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible. Consequently, far too many people are handling the Word of God inaccurately. Many are denying the deity of Christ. Denying the virgin birth of Christ. Denying the substitutionary death and physical resurrection of Christ. Denying a literal second coming of Christ. The Bible predicted that in the last days people would turn away from the truths of the Bible and follow teachers and preachers who would tell them what they want to hear. Preachers who would promise them health and wealth and happiness. Preachers who would give out spiritual cotton candy that tickled their ears but doesn't teach the truth. Few people really know the Bible. We're living in a biblically illiterate culture. Very few people can even name the Ten Commandments. Very few people can name the 12 apostles. Very few people really know what the gospel is, or and very few people really know for sure how to get to heaven. Now, it's natural for kids to get things mixed up. Here's a few quotes from kids. Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount sinai Joshua led the Israelites in the battle of (laughs) Jericho. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. (laughs) The epistles are wives of the apostles. A lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. Well, unfortunately, many adults have no more clue than the kids. Many adults think the church existed in the Old Testament. It didn't. Many adults think the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. It doesn't. Many adults think the Bible says money is the root of all evil. It doesn't. Many adults think you have to work your way to heaven. You don't. You can't. A man was waiting downtown for the bus... It was pouring down rain. A lady was standing next to him, so he decided to engage her in some casual conversation. And he said, If it keeps raining like this, we'll have to build an ark. And she said, What's an ark? And he said, Well, surely you've heard of Noah and the Great Flood. And she said, Look, mister, I've only been town for a week, and I haven't had time to read the the paper or listen to the news. Wow. J.C. Ryle made this observation. There is more Bible buying, Bible selling, Bible printing, and Bible distributing than ever before in our nation. We see Bibles in every bookstore, Bibles of every size and price and style. There are Bibles in almost every house in the land. But all of this time, I fear we are in danger of forgetting that to have the Bible is one thing and to read the Bible is quite another Now listen carefully. We all have to start someplace. If you're new to the church, or new to faith in Jesus, it's understandable that you don't yet know much about the Bible. And that's okay. But as time progresses, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you should be spending time in the Bible. Reading the Bible, and studying the Bible. And cultivating a passion for the Bible, because that is how God speaks to us today. There's one other thing that I I, I need to point out at this point. There's something far worse than ignorance of the Bible, and that is the intentional distortion of the Bible, or the intentional rejection of the Bible. Some people are placing man's reasoning over God's revelation. Some teachers are undermining the authority of the Bible. Some scholars are undermining the deity of Jesus Christ. They are not handling the Word of God accurately. We should study the Word of God regularly. We should interpret the Word of God accurately. We should obey the word of God personally. We should teach the word of God clearly. That's a third commitment, a commitment to the book, a passion for the Bible. So let me take just a few minutes and ask a few questions as God speaks to your heart. Do you have a passion for God? This would be evidenced by a master that is well-pleased, by a a God that is well-pleased. A Faith at Work devotional in June of 2002 had this quote. Who are you trying to please? Jesus once said, I try to please the one who sent me, John 5.30. Have you realized yet that you cannot please everyone? Everyone. I know lots of people who seem to believe that they just can't be happy unless everyone is happy with them. Talk about living the impossible dream. Even God can't make everyone happy. One person prays for rain while another prays for sun. One prays for the Packers while the other prays for the Cowboys. Who are you trying to please? During his ministry in the world, Jesus decided to play to an audience of one. He decided to please God above all else and not play to the whims and wants of the people around him. Jesus didn't find his identity in the approval of others. He lived to please God alone. How about you? When we make the decision to live for an audience of one, some amazing things happen. First, we experience a new freedom. We no longer weigh every decision and action against the possible responses of others. We no longer determine our success by the opinions of others, nor do we evaluate our self-worth by the approval of others. Second, we guarantee our own success. How is that possible? It's simple. God is for us. God is pleased with us when we are walking by faith. Through faith in Christ, we can be victorious. Of course, we'll sometimes fail. Of course, we'll sometimes make bad decisions, but God loves us as his children, and he will forgive us when we f- fall, and he'll give us the grace to stand. When you live to please God alone, you'll ultimately succeed. So next time you have an important decision to make, ask yourself, who am I trying to please? And then decide to play for an audience of one. Let me share a a, a quote from Bishop Ryle. A passionate believer is a man of one thing, and that one thing is to please God. Whether he lives or whether he dies, whether he has health or whether he has sickness, whether he is rich or whether he is poor, whether he pleases man or whether he gives offense, whether he gets blame or whether he gets praise, whether he gets honor or whether he gets shame, for all this, the passionate man cares nothing at all. He burns for one thing, and that one thing is to please God. A second, do you have a passion for excellence? This would be evidenced by a life that is well lived. How is your Christian life? Are you on fire for Christ or are you just lukewarm? How is your service? Do you do what you do out of devotion to Christ or simply out of duty to Christ? Are you committed to excellence in serving the Lord or do you just serve him with your leftover time and your half-hearted energy? If your service is lukewarm and half-hearted, it is probably because you have not yet fully grasped how intimately God loves you, how sacrificially Christ died for you, and how awesomely God can work through you. If the Christian life is worth anything, it's worth everything. If the Christian faith is worth believing completely, then the Christian life is worth living passionately. William MacDonald once said, A disciple can be forgiven if he does not have great mental ability. He can be forgiven if he does not display outstanding physical prowess. But no disciple can be excused if he does not have zeal. If his heart is not aflame with a red-heart passion for the Savior, he stands condemned. Bessie Anderson Stanley once wrote, He has achieved success, who has lived well, laughed often, and loved much who has gained the respect of intelligent women and the love of little children, who has filled his niche and accomplished his task, who has left the world better than he found it, who has always looked for the best in others and given the best he had, whose life was an inspiration and whose memory a benediction. Oh, my friends, don't settle for mediocrity. Strive for excellence. A passion for excellence results in a life that is well-lived. Well and then, number three, do you have a passion for the Bible? This would be evidenced by a book that is well-used. Are you handling the Word of God accurately? Are you studying the Bible carefully and regularly? Do you have a hunger for the Bible? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, feeding on the Bible. The Bible is spiritual food. And if you're starving, it's not because the Bible and Bible teachers are not available. It's because you're not eating. Jeremiah said he feasted on the Bible. He said to God, your word was food to me. And I did eat it, and it was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Someone has said a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't falling apart. Does your Bible just sit on the shelf, or is it well used? Are you reading the Bible on a daily basis? Start, Start with five minutes a day. Start with something like the daily bread. Do teachers and leaders in your church handle the Word of God accurately? Are they studying the Bible on their own? Ezra, the Old Testament leader, gave us a great pattern to follow in relationship to the Word of God in Ezra 7.10. You dig into it, then you do it, and then you declare it. I hope and pray that you will cultivate a passion for God, a passion for excellence, and a passion for the Bible. This passion will be revealed in a zeal and a fire and a commitment that radically impacts your priorities and your activities and your relationships. You'll never again settle for selfish living, sight-walking, and shallow thinking. Perhaps Steve Green's words could express your passion. I want them to express mine. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, my friends, the fire of your passion will inspire others to look up, to step out, to stand firm. The fire of your passion will light the way for others to follow. Your passion will fuel the flame inside of you that longs for a closer walk with God. Is that your heart's desire? Well, then just tell God how you feel. Let this be your prayer. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus. It's my plea daily walking close to thee let it be dear lord let it be well my friends i hope this episode of wisdom from above was encouraging inspiring and challenging to you i'm so grateful that you're making wisdom from above a part of your weekly listening routine please help me grow the outreach of wisdom from above share it with your family Share it with your friends. Share it on your social media. Share, share, share. This is Dr. Harlan Betts wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I'm honored that you've chosen to join me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.